Hey, we're so here with George Mason University. I'm here with Dr. Glenn Weaver, who is an associate professor at the University of South Carolina. And we are going to discuss the article titled Classroom Teachers Off-the-Shelf Use of Movement Integration Products and Its Impact on Children's Sedentary Behavior and Physical Activity. Um, and this was recently published uh, with a bunch of co-authors in the Journal of Translational Behavioral Medicine. And as always, you'll find a full citation of this article in the notes and any other articles that we're, we're discussing, we'll put in there. So, Len, thanks for uh, coming on. Risto, great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So I guess we can dive in and um, can you just start off by explaining the term movement integration that you use here and uh, give a little bit of an overview of research and practice regarding movement integration? Sure. Movement integration is um, really an umbrella term, which has a lot of strategies uh, that kind of fall with, within that. So PA breaks, energizers, learning through movement, moving to learn, so on and so forth. Uh, and uh, Colin Webster does a, a great job of defining it in a, a paper that I think we're going to leak in the show notes, um, uh, a paper in 2015 that's called he defines it as infusing physical activity within general education classrooms during normal classroom time at any activity intensity level. So I think that's that's a pretty good broad definition. I think a lot of the work that's been done surrounding even integration is really focused on kind of teacher-led strategies. But what I love about Collins' definition is, you know, a teacher can set up their um, behavior management system to really integrate from the classroom, right? So, you know, if you, if, you, if you need to get up and go take a break, you know, you can go over to this part of the room or uh, just classroom management in general, right? So I'm moving from, for my math lesson, I'm moving from my desk down to the carpet or uh, moving around my classroom. They don't all have to be teacher-led strategies either. I think that's really interesting in the way he defines it. And then another thing that I think is really important that we we miss sometimes when we're thinking about movement integration uh, is the idea at any intensity level. Um, so essentially, uh, the, way, the way that I think of movement integration is butts out of seat. How do we get kids up out of their seat instead of just sitting and, and passively receiving information? How can we get them up and get them moving? Uh, thumb throughout general education classroom times. That's I think that's a really good definition that, that Colin does. Um, uh, I think you know in terms of how it's been used in, in research uh, or what research has been done. So there's there's a good body of work that has looked at movement integration as a standalone strategy, right? So. Uh, uh, how does integrating movement within general education classroom affect your outcome? Uh, but it's also important to note that there's a broader literature base that looks at kind of whole school approaches to promoting physical activity. And movement integration has really become popular in, in, in this area as well uh, as the perception has been that Traditional activity opportunities like PE and recess uh, have been limited in the school day in recent years. So, if we're going to get kids active during the school day, we got to look at general education classroom time as well. 
and we can work with PE and research, but we got to think about classroom stuff as well. So we have these old, old school approaches and some of your listeners, listeners I'm sure are, are familiar with uh, comprehensive school kids activity programming, programming uh, and, and movement integration is a big part of that kind of whole school uh, approach there. Um, there's a lot of different strategies uh, that we can use as well uh, from incorporating physical activity during uh, academic lessons. So I'm trying to teach through learning. Uh, so for instance, I do math problems that I have kids do jumping jacks for the answer, right? So, you know, what's two plus three? Uh, do the number of jumping jacks. They would do five jumping jacks. Um, also the idea of scheduling short movement breaks in between lessons teachers do uh, quite a bit. So the transitioning between lessons or uh, scheduling kind of short breaks. So we just, we need a break from learning. Let's, let's stop learning for a little while and let's, let's get some activity. And so lots of different ways you can do it as well. Uh, in terms of the research on what have we looked at is, as the impact of movement integration, so what are the outcomes we've been interested in? Uh, uh, I think I've brought two broad categories that have really dominated the literature here. So the first would be health outcomes, right? So if I'm getting kids moving in general education classrooms, um, how does that affect my physical activity in that classroom throughout the day, throughout the school day, so on and so forth? There's been some work on physical activity attitude. So how do I relate to physical activity and how do I feel about that activity as well? And then kind of your classic BMI and fitness outcomes as well as impact. The second kind of broad category I would say that we've looked at in terms of outcomes would be academic outcomes. So uh, has does move integration actually benefit learning? Uh, On-task behavior has been looked at quite a bit uh, in terms of movement integration and, and, and cognitive function. So really kind of those two uh, broad categories there. There's a big literature base, very expansive. Uh, hope I've done a little bit to kind of describe what are the highlights uh, of that, my answer here. Yeah, and I, and I think it's been a long time since we started talking about these movement integration pieces. And so there's been a lot of work and we're trying to also just say it's not just a break, but it's also academically fulfilling, it's health-wise fulfilling. So I'm wondering if you can explain the movement integration products you used in this study, um, so which was Go Noodle, Take 10, and ABC um, for fitness. And can you talk about how, um, like what did it look like and how have those been implemented in classrooms? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we used three in, in this study, and importantly, these three were selected by a group of teachers. So before this study, we actually had teachers use six movement integration products and tell us which ones they liked the most. And these were the three most popular, which I find kind of humorous uh, because we have Go Noodle, which is, you know, it's got all the belt whistles, it's... Uh, uh, it's an online learning module all the way down to ABC for Fitness, which is like a 10-page PDF uh, booklet. So mm -hmm. teachers love 
both of these on the opposite ends of the spectrum, which I think is awesome. It speaks to the ingenuity of teachers. Um, so ABC for Fitness is a graph, uh, uh, it's a guidebook essentially. So it's a 10-page PDF, uh, and essentially it, it's filled with ideas on how you can integrate movement into your classroom. So very uh, uh, user-driven, uh, not a lot of, um, you know, this is cut and dry, this is how we do it. It's, you know, if you're doing this math lesson, you can do jumping jacks. That's Right. And so teachers really like the flexibility of that in our previous research. Uh, and, you know, if, if, if you didn't know the teacher had this ABC for fitness guidebook, I'm not sure if you went in the classroom and you would know that they were using the guidebook because it's up to them. It's how they want to use it and how they want to integrate it in the classroom. Uh, take 10 was the second one that, that we used. Uh, it's, more similar probably to ABC for fitness, uh, but it's a little bit more structured in terms of here's 10 things, here's 10 lessons that you can use to integrate into your uh, classroom. It's also grade level specific and it's tied to uh, uh, curriculum outcomes in each grade level. So uh, it's, it's, it's about teaching through learning and it has example lessons that you can use uh, for um, uh, for teachers from K through five, uh, um, this one has a little bit of a cost. It's eighty-five to one hundred twelve dollars, depending on which age group you're using. The ABC for Fitness one that we were just talking about is free. You can download uh, on the internet. We can link that in the show notes too. It, it gets any teachers that want to take a look at it. Um, Go Noodle is probably the most comprehensive. This is a for-profit company. Uh, there, uh, um, there's an online quarter, this portal that a teacher would sign up for. Um, and essentially, uh, you would build your classroom and take your classroom through a, a suite of activities, uh, that have been created. You'd put it up simply on a smart board, play it for the class and the class would follow along, uh, with, the with the video. So it's the technology assisted. Uh, movement in a creation program. And there's lots of activities uh, in GoNoodle. The specific version that that we gave the teachers was called GoNoodle Plus. And the major distinction here is that you got to pay for it. And so it was $99 a year for the Plus version, whereas any teacher can sign up for free on GoNoodle and get access to a pretty big suite of activities. Uh, what the $99 uh, per year gave our teachers with access behind the paywall uh, to more curricula uh, aligned activities. So it's more like learning through movement now uh, once you get behind that paywall. But the activities I do want to emphasize, the free activities are really good. A lot of teachers like well. So um, those are kind of three and they run the gamut from, you know, here's just a 10 page PDF to, you know, here's the whole website which I thought was really cool uh, to get from our previous research. Yeah, and we use, um, so in one of my classes, it's for elementary school generalist educators who are learning how to teach health and integrate uh, physical activity into the classroom. So we demonstrate Go Noodle, and the free version has a ton of stuff, but it's interesting that next tier, almost like for, for a for-profit con uh, company, very intelligent to say, well, if you pay for this, we'll also align it to all of your curricular goals. 
uh, instead of you having to do the extra work. And um, it's interesting how different they they really are because the Go Noodle is like literally you can as a teacher take a mental break and press play, search for something that's five minutes, and the students follow along, and you don't have to lead it versus something like the ABC uh, for fitness or take 10 that needs a little bit more planning in, in that sense or a little bit more guiding. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think something, it's a really good point, Rizzo. I, I think something that we found very interesting and, and it, we'll probably need to link this one of the shut cuts to the, the research that we did earlier to identify which one teachers like, it, it was really, uh, Teachers wanted different things for different situations, right? Like what you're saying, like sometimes I need a break, right? Like I, I need uh, students to transition to the next activity or I need to mark up this, you know, quick in-class assessment that we just did. I'm going to throw something on and I need it led by a noodle. Sometimes I don't want to teach with movement, right? Where take them would be great. And sometimes, you know, I, I kids just, we're having a rough day. We need to get up and move some and we'll all dance together. So it was really kind of from me leading it all the way to, you know, let's get go noodle and lead it and, and different things for different situations. Uh, I think it was really interesting and no teacher is using movement the same all the time. There's, there's a lot of variety of ways I use movement in my classroom and that's reflected in uh, the product that they chose that they really like. Yeah. And and in the past, when these have been used in research, these types of movement integration, am I correct to say that a lot of them have been geared towards increasing physical activity, decreasing sedentary behavior, and so therefore it's been applied in a sense, and I think you argued this pretty well, is it's been applied in the sense of, hey, if you add this movement integration, you're going to increase physical activity. But that would be logical because you just prescribed more physical activity throughout the day and therefore the teachers are doing it and that's that's the result does that does that make sense yeah yeah i think the argument that we're making is that uh, a lot of the previous work has um evaluated movement integration products in a non um my fancy research way to say this would be ecologically valid way uh, they they evaluate it more in a strict controlled laboratory way than how teachers would actually be using it in the classroom. And that extends to, will I give them a movement integration product that I would integrate into math, and then I measure math without it and that's with it. And of course you have more physical activity, right? But if the outcome is... Um, uh, if the outcome that you're interested in is increasing kids' physical activity throughout the school day, well, that's not really what you're getting out there, right? Yeah, math lessons are more active when you integrate movement. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, but does it contribute to overall physical activity throughout the school day, which is the outcome that we're all interested in? So can you talk about just an overview of what you did in the study? And I know this was one of several studies over a year and a half, two years when <laughs> COVID hit and really good, solid plans of how you're going to do things kind of just went up in the air and you're like, okay, now we're readjusting. So 
uh, maybe just an overview of what went on in the study. Yeah, so like you're saying, I'm not the only researcher that was impacted by, by COVID, especially community-based uh, uh, work. So I won't bemoan that too much, uh, but it did impact our our study. So um, maybe I'll talk about what we intended and then what actually happened. Uh, that's how I'll frame that. So uh, for this study, we had uh, five schools that served children who were predominantly from families with low income. Uh, and, it, and again, we wanted that ecological validity, right? Like we want to be sending these out into schools. Uh, and we want to send them out into the schools that would benefit and use these products. So uh, we chose, uh, we thought schools that represent that. Um, we had 57 classroom teachers uh, that uh, participate in the study through studying an informed consent. Uh, and we enrolled the students in their classrooms. It was about 1,200 students, well, 1,137 uh, students uh, that we included in the study as well. Uh, the teachers agreed to participate over two school years, the spring of one year and the fall of the following year. Um, and the idea was that we would measure teachers' self-reported movement integration for one week, uh, provide them a, a product, and then measure again uh, the week that they had the product. And we were going to do that uh, a total of five times. So we would have, uh, or excuse me, six times. We'd have a baseline week with no product, movement integration week, then have some sort of washout period. I believe it was about two weeks. Have another baseline week, another product, washout period of two weeks, another baseline week, and uh, another product, so that all teachers would um, test all products. And we were going to counterbalance the order with which teachers received the product. So not everybody received, would receive a noodle first, not everybody would receive, um, oh my goodness, ABC for fitness and take in, right? We would change up that order so that we had no kind of sequencing of data. Uh, as you mentioned, COVID kind of derailed us. Uh, the spring that they agreed to participate was the spring of 2020. So we only got one baseline and one product. So not all teachers assessed all products, which is a weakness, a limitation, I think. And our study is yeah. not at RCC, which uh, we'll talk about that here, I think, in a little bit, of how we should interpret it, interpret the funding. In addition to teachers' self-reported movement integration, uh, uh, we, we put risk-based activity monitors on kids called accelerometers and uh, estimated their sedentary life and moderate to vigorous physical activity while at the school. Put them on in the morning, took off in the afternoon. It's the only school that activity. Um, that's pretty much what we did. I think that's the, the overview of what we did. Uh, so it's interesting. Your findings show that just giving the teachers this off-the-shelf movement integration, go noodle, take 10 or something like that did not influence students sedentary behavior or physical activity. Um, so can you tell us why you think that's the case? Yeah. Uh, and I should say, uh, thanks for pointing out there's off the shelf. We didn't provide any support 
the features. We gave them the product, gave them whatever user manual went along with the product uh, and said, you know, you can use the product as much as you like or as little as you like during that week that you have it. Uh, and so I, I think there's a pretty clear reason that uh, uh, been, that these products did not impact kids' uh, physical activity. And it, it shows very nicely uh, in our data that anybody wants to go and look at the, the papers, um, that we didn't see an increase in use of movement integration strategy from baseline to outcome. Um, so at baseline, we asked teachers uh, how much they're using movement integration, and they said about one time per day they're using a movement integration strategy. And, and the intervention week, it stayed about one time per day using the movement integration strategy. So, and, and the same thing, we also looked at how many minutes a day uh, teachers were using movement integration. So it was about 12.7 minutes at baseline and about 13.5 minutes uh, at outcomes. So not a big change in minutes of movement integration. And I think the way at least that I interpreted this uh, was that uh, they just simply replaced strategies that they were using already with this product, right? So, you know, before I may have been uh, putting on a YouTube video to do some movement integration, now I'm putting on both new to do movement integration. Not increasing the number of times or the amount of times. I'm just replacing what I was doing already uh, with that movement integration strategy. And so that was reflected in the sedentary uh, minutes, which uh, actually went up by about two minutes from baseline. Uh, to outcome and MVPA, which actually dropped by about half a minute from baseline to, to outcome, which not the big changes, probably not meaningful changes in bit right. And and it's interesting the you know you talked about the ecological validity of the study of the way you wanted to do it, and that's how most teachers would get their product. It's no training, right? They're like. They're trying to figure out how do I get my students active or they see an advertisement or somebody presents something and they see, oh, go noodle. Okay, well, I'll do the free resource for this and just start using it. They didn't do a training. And so that's, that's interesting in itself. And then the other one was that, you know, you, you already have shown that teachers are doing it one time a day, right? Which it's good. Like they have a, they weren't doing that. I don't know, twenty years ago, or they weren't using these resources. Maybe they're using them more, and maybe that slow trickle of information of hey, let's get our students physically active during the during the class time is slowly like seeping in. But that's also once a day. Like they are sitting in their chairs for several hours um, through the day. So even though one a day is really, it's, I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's still really low. So do you, uh, do you have like research on what an ideal amount is? Cause I know other school systems who have done a lot of curriculum podcasts, like they mandate recess, 45 minutes in class, 15 minutes of recess, 45 minutes of class, 15 minutes of recess. And they do that in that structure. Whereas the U S is not based like that. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I know that there um, there are guidelines for MBPA, mm -hmm. 
uh, in a school day, right? So kids should get 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity day, and uh, about half of that should come during the school day, some policy documents have said. But that's really just kind of, there's no, there's no, I would say, research uh, evidence that 30 minutes is what you should be getting. That's just a policy. Right. Uh, there's also policy mandates that say you should break up long periods of sedentary uh, uh, in, in, in the school day. And that's based on uh, kind of developmental appropriateness and kids need to be up moving. Again, not no no hard research evidence on, uh, you know, how frequently or how often. I love the policy of 45 minutes and 15 minutes. That, that's such a great policy. I'd love to see that implemented more. But, but I guess this is just a long way to, a long-winded way to answer your question say, no, I'm not aware of any research. As what is the ideal uh, amount? Related to that, though, I would say that, yeah, I think a limitation of our our study is we focused on these movement integration products. And, you know, if we're going back to kind of that definition that I talked about, it's, it's ways that you integrate movement into the classroom during general education classroom time at any intensity level. It can be teacher-led or not teacher-led, right? So we're talking about teacher-led movement uh, exclusively uh, in this scenario. And uh, we did a study several years ago in, in schools that were very similar. And uh, we systematically observed movement in classrooms using an instrument that we developed called SoSmart. And 41% of the time in those classrooms, there was at least one child up and moving in the classroom. And of that 41% of the time, only 14% of the time was a, a teacher giving a direction or a teacher leading the activity. The vast majority of movement that's happening in classrooms is not teacher-led. It's, you know, transitioning from one thing to the next, getting up to go shop them on pencil, stretching, so on and so forth. And I think maybe where we can have a, a big bang for our buck is not just the teacher-led movement activities, but helping teachers understand how they can um, design physical activity or movement into their classrooms by setting up their classroom management system um, uh, and, and behavior management system to better promote uh, physical activity. So in considering the findings that you have, what are the conclusions that you're taking away from this? Yeah, uh, great question. So. Uh, I think the first thing we got to say is whenever we're interpreting findings from a research study is really think about the limitation of the study. So we think about that in the context. Uh, we think about our findings in the context of these limitations. So we, we hinted at this is not an RCT and it was affected by kids. So we got to think about that, think about how the context may be a little bit different. And so because it was not a randomized controlled trial, we're limited in uh, the ability to make causal inferences here. And so take everything that we're saying with uh, a grain of salt that it could have been something else outside of our um, The other limitation I'll say too is that, you know, we, we focused exclusively on uh, health outcomes. But broadly, there's two kind of areas that we can focus. We focus exclusively on physical activity. We did talk about uh, uh, the benefits to on-task behavior, learning, test schools, so on and so forth. So that, you know, we didn't see an impact on physical activity, but did it help on-task? 
activities that it help teachers manage the classroom so on and so forth and those are things that you know this this research limited volume didn't answer but i think you hit on one of the big things that equate teachers are already integrating right yeah. and it may not be the way that we're thinking about it um and so uh we got to think about ways to we want to increase physical activity and we want to increase this integration how do we build on top of what teachers are already doing it's not starting from ground zero how do we build on the things that they're already doing um i think the other thing that we kind of mentioned before is maybe off the shelf isn't good enough um maybe we do need support and maybe we do need to have policies like right once every 45 minutes gotta get kids up and moving uh, maybe it's an announcement over the VA system. You got to carve time out to do these things in the school day because uh, you know you're taken from somewhere else if you're doing this with bad integration thing. Um, well, I guess it's a huge assumption then on a part of you know, like if if it, if this was a research study where you chose to provide training and it was a uh, CISPAP or WISP type of study where you're going in and implementing these and you're training the staff, then yes, it might be a higher percentage. And th there have been studies that show that classroom activity breaks when people are trained and doing it correctly, that it, it works. But realistically, this is an off the shelf, you know, pack prepackaged curriculum and without training, Again, in this study, it shows that it doesn't make have the effect that these um, these resources want them to have. So I, I think that's interesting to understand that just giving the thing or making it available doesn't change it. And I think, you know, for principals or teacher educators, it's important to understand that just providing access to like, you know, lead a horse to water, like it's just there's it's right there right. you know so i think those are interesting to make sure that we know and also it's not feasible for you as a researcher to go to every single school every year and do a, a high intensity training for every single teacher you know so there has to be some sort of other way to to make that work Um, yeah, 100% agree. So I'm wondering, as we wrap this up, what are your suggestions for school administrators and policymakers in reference to the possible considerations they should have before they choose to adopt something like this uh, uh, a movement and integration project? Yeah, I, I think we've kind of touched on my biggest takeaway already is you really need to know what your teachers are doing already. Um, so, you know, one of, one of the biggest paradigm shifts that I've had, um, in, in my work is, and, and I recently published a systematic review on this about temple trends and, and MVPA in schools that showed that kids are pretty active in school, uh, and teachers are a big part of that. And it's, it's a noble goal and a great goal to try and increase activity while kids are at your school, right? But kids are getting activity when they're at the school and teachers are implementing things to help kids get activity. So you need to understand before you adopt anything what teachers are doing already and how you can support them in extending those things and, and, and enhancing the impact of the things that they're already doing. 
almost like a needs assessment, right? Like yeah. what's happening, what are opportunities, what are our weaknesses, right? You know, classic SWOT analysis. So I would really want to understand and emphasize uh, what's happening in your school already and how can you enhance that before I went to add anything else uh, uh, to my uh, to my pocket there. Uh, and, and kind of what are the facilitators and barriers to MI product, product use uh, in, in, your, in your school? And maybe it's not MI. Product. Maybe it's maybe it's not te these teacher-led settings. Maybe it's you know we do these school-led settings, or, or uh, we we do a training on how to uh, set up our classrooms to promote um, more physical activity. There's lots of different approaches. It doesn't have to be. Uh, movement integration exclusively, but it can be. That's what your teachers want. So understand what the teachers want. Um, uh, and and then you know it's it's the other conclusion is yeah, it's, it's shelf is not sufficient, right? Uh, you got to dedicate more than just buying the go new, uh, buying the curriculum uh, to uh, to really have the programs have that impact. You gotta do some trainings. You gotta yeah. help your teachers understand how to effectively implement these things. Kind kinda like a gym membership. It's not enough to just to buy the membership. You gotta know what to do inside the gym. But also a right. for private right. company, they're fine with whatever you're you're paying for, you know, the more membership right. but the more accounts they they sell, the better it is for their business. So um, really, really important points. I think, uh, uh, the paper lined up a lot. I talked to you before we started recording about the classes that I teach with elementary school teachers specifically, um, who are not PE teachers and how they're learning how to integrate, uh, classroom content. So, uh, I thank you for sharing the, sharing the work because it changes the way that, you know, I will teach that content because it's important to understand that just by providing it doesn't mean that it's it's going to be enacted. So um, thank you, Glenn. Well, I appreciate I'm, you. I'm glad somebody actually read it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, it was, it, it was good. And it, it, uh, it serves me for having my uh, Google Scholar alerts on so I know uh, when new and interesting stuff is coming out. So appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Really dope. Awesome. So that's all we have for you on this one. Um, I want to thank uh, Alba Rodriguez again for her uh, help in producing the podcast. And thanks for listening.